We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 353. Wow. Thank God they won on Sunday night, or else this would have been a different tune this morning. Scott, what's up? I mean, I was looking at that as, as uh, the win yesterday was was really the saving grace for the show, honestly. Because mm-hmm. if My we're, sanity, if, definitely. If we're, yeah, I mean, I would have had to just, uh, I, I would have been on damage control the entire hour that we were talking. But the... Uh, you know, just the feeling, and I think it's reversed a lot of a lot of times for us because we've had really good series and then lost the last game, and it's like, you know, I want to talk about all the good things that happened in the series, but then we lost the last game, so that's the, the last taste in your mouth. And thank, thank God, thank, thank any anything that's holy that anybody believes in that last night was a uh, was a W. And man, Ding, Domingo Herman, 
He did it. He stepped he's, up and, and, and did what he did. Like, we're, we're talking about a five-inning performance, five by inning the way. Performance five inning performance stepping up, but, but he my did God. It. He was our yeah. saving grace. Five innings. Five and a third, I think it ended up, right? It was a... Well, he you know, gave them good. a chance. It was a good he, performance. He got into the middle of the game where the Yankees were not trying to catch up from 10 runs down, which is something they haven't had the luxury of doing for like a week. But yeah, you're right. It It's kind of... I was listening to the game. Uh, I was driving home last night during the game. So I was listening to John and Susan. And John kept saying, you know, even if the Yankees lose this game, they're still up seven and they'll be up uh, nine in the loss column. I'm like, no, th- that, that is such a bitter taste in your mouth. If you leave Fenway after your pitching gets its teeth kicked in for a week straight yeah. and two, you two get big swept. series against two teams that are probably going to be either in the playoffs or vying for a playoff spot. I understand a seven-game lead at the end of July is still huge. And to blow that is difficult. But if they had been swept, that would have been a serious, serious big issue. At least they can say, we got one, we can play them again next weekend, and we can put more distance between us. I think think that was a very big win on Sunday night. uh, Absolutely it was. Because I think also what it's doing is it's sending your mind back to last year when... You know when Boston basically just ended the you know, ended the, uh, the the chance of an AL East title, you know even though they were slim, but they've just you know they put the they put the the step down and uh, it could have happened again. It really could. It, and it, obviously not the same situation, but in a, in a t- in a type of situation where the Yankees are trying to be the uh, the killers in the end, and they're the ones that are trying to finish the job and complete the uh, you know complete this. This run that we're getting for an AL East title because it's been such a long time, you know they um, and, and it just it, it felt it felt similar in my mind because in my mind when I'm playing the Red Sox and I'm looking at what's happened this past week, it doesn't feel like we're up eight games. You know what I mean? Like it felt like the Red Sox were in striking distance. That's what it felt like. It felt like those games were uh, a lot more meaningful. And if they had won last night and a sweep, and you're up seven instead of nine and ten in the last column, like that just feels a lot different. It's still not. I'm not still gonna. It's still a bad weekend. It's still a rough still a bad week weekend. For the pitching still, staff. We're still gonna bitch and complain about what happened this weekend. Yeah, and the Red Sox still have an opportunity next weekend where if they take three out of four, it's an interesting AL East going forward. Like we said even before these eight games started, but when over the last week plus since last Sunday against the Rockies, the Yankees pitching has been. By far the worst I've ever seen it, and by all accounts, the worst it's ever been in the history of the franchise. When you go a full week and your, your starters go, Paxton, three and a third innings, seven runs. Sabathia, four innings, seven runs. Herman, three and two thirds, eight runs. Hap, three and a third, six runs. Tanaka, three and a third, 12 runs. Paxton, four innings, seven runs. Sabathia, 4.1 innings. Five runs. How do you expect to win anything? These are consecutive days, too. It's not like these are like sprinkled in there into the season. This is like you're getting jabbed in the the face. You're getting jabbed in the face by Muhammad Ali every single day. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, another one, another one. Like, I have two black eyes, a bloody nose, a hurt neck. Like, what do you do at that point? Yeah, and it's all within the first three to four innings of the game too. That's that's like one of the even the bigger problems too is that you're 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 fighting from a deficit from the beginning. No, there's it's no way it, every every day every day this week they've been fighting from uh, you know playing back except for last night. So it seems like 
They're always, always trying to catch up, and it's just not sustainable. Listen, I, I was, I was, you know, jotting down notes of these games, and I got to a certain point where I was like, going to start to say, oh, you know, the Yankees had a big chance in this game. Judge was up the baseline. What does it, it fucking doesn't matter? matter? Who cares? You're down by seven runs after two innings. What does it matter? <clears throat> No, because you're talking about wasted opportunities for a potential comeback. On, on no, it's <laughs> don't no. don't be in that situation. No. How about that? How about we not? Because you can't look at those situations because uh, you're chasing seven. So now you have to capitalize on every single opportunity, and that is not baseball, Susan. That is not how baseball works. You need and to even if away. you cash in, who's to say your pitching holds them? It probably doesn't. Probably doesn't. I mean, in Minnesota, it didn't. <laughs> Literally had to dive. Uh, you know, one of the most phenomenal catches I've ever seen to end the game. It wasn't the pitching. It was a ridiculous play in the outfield. <laughs> they, they leave the weekend salvaging the, the standings, at least. I think that's what they can tell themselves. Um, and if you're Boston, I still think you probably feel good about yourself after what happened this weekend, except for the fact that the Yankees beat Sale on, on Sunday night. I think Sale has not looked the same. So Boston is not the same team. They can hit the crap out of the ball. We already knew that. And they're talking about getting significant acquisitions at the deadline. Cashner pitched well against the Yankees. But again, I don't know how much of that is Cashner and just the fact that it's like the Yankees are again down by multiple runs early in the game. And he could just throw strikes, basically. Um, but the Rays, the Rays lost Snell for four weeks, elbow cleanup surgery. And they're already down. 10 in the loss column with no really no more games to play against the Yankees. So I'm still circling the Red Sox as the as the team that oh, yeah, they're other than the, the Yankees can win this division. Certainly. I, I think that I mean I'm again, I don't like to put put things uh into to finalizations this early this early into the season. Not that it's early, but it's it's early for me to call it. The uh the the Rays don't really scare me anymore just because of the fact that they have no head to head matchups. Like you said, Snell, their ace is out for a, a, the extent, you know, a while. Um, Glass now is out. Like they have, they have significant injuries that they're dealing with, and I know they've made a couple acquisitions, but they, I don't know. For whatever, they just don't scare me. Like the fact, the fact that uh, I almost called them Paula Duca again. The fact that Paula Duca was is is about to hit another, you know, walk off grand slam or walk off home run or big base hit, whatever the hell. Like I'm not, I'm just not scared of that. I think it's very fluky. The Red Sox are the team. There's no doubt about it. The Red Sox are the team. And what we saw last night, they're a real team. They're a real offensive juggernaut. Like they, they can hit the ball at any point. And when you're playing at Fenway, you know, it's a bandbox, just like Yankee Stadium is. And they and they know how to play it well. So if their pitching figures it out and they, and they do acquire, which I'm still skeptical if they do acquire anybody significant. Um Well they're talking they, about yeah, acquiring they're, 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 oh, big uh, they're talking about acquiring a big time bullpen arm. Yeah. Because so so is that, far is that from A Rod's mouth? No, so far it's just from one of the many many Twitter accounts, many many verified Twitter accounts that just throw shit against the wall. Even though they have that blue check mark, they can they can do that. They ha- I don't know if you noticed the Nathan Avaldi in the bullpen experiment has not gone well so far. Not yet, not yet. It's definitely so, not going out. What was this? Uh, what was this? This surgery, right? It was. Um, just a ligament cleanup, or was something. it something like that? I think that? it was similar to what Snell did in cleanup surgery. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so. he was still throwing hard, but not effective. It was that flat yeah. fastball we used to see all the time. Um, so last year, the Yankees left Fenway after getting swept down nine and a half games, and that was on August 5th. 
Right now, the Yankees, as I said, have a nine-game lead over Boston. A little bit earlier in the, in the season, it's July 29th, but they do play them again this coming weekend. So are we hypocritical in saying, oh, last year the Yankees had no chance in the division, but this year the Red Sox still have a chance in the division? Oh, no, no, no. This is just c- completely us like expecting the other shoe to drop. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> that's really what it is. It's not um, the fact that... Um, and the, and the, the Red Sox were going so well last year too. We're looking at them, and you know you're you're saying that it's it's a there's the a trajectories were different at that moment where the Red Sox were like okay nothing they they're shitting gold they're at the end of a rainbow and the Absolutely. Yankees are are going through some stuff right now. Right there was a, there were, I think there were a lot of uh, a lot of uncertainties with the Yankees at that point. Not that there aren't right now with the pitching staff, but. Uh, they were muddy. The waters were muddy, and the Red Sox were just—you know—they were on pace to win, you know, 110 games or so. It was—they were—they were on pace to be like a, in a you know, a historical team. So, wh- how are you going to catch that team? Thursday, they go into Fenway after the emotional series win in Minnesota. Would you call it that an emotional series win? I call it exhausting. Yeah, I guess exhausting. Emotional. I guess emo- emotionally is... exhausting. They sure. get. After losing the first game, getting your pitch, your pitchers getting hit, you could win that wild game on Tuesday. Wednesday, Hap stinks, but the Yankees still hold on. They score a million runs against the Twins. At least you win two out of three. You go into Fenway, and Tanaka, <laughs> oh my God, just give him something, Tanaka. Your bullpen is fried. Your, your, your pitching staff is fried. Go five innings. Hell, go four innings, like, for all I care. And he goes out there and gives up seven runs in the first inning, 12 runs overall. His season line against Boston now this year is four innings, 16 hits, 18 earned runs. Opponents are slashing 593, 636, and 1,148. 1.148 is not an OPS. It's a slugging percentage. Against Boston. The... The, uh, so let me ask you a question. On Thursday, did you drive up to Rhode Island? Thursday you, night. I Thursday did. night. Okay, so yep. you were with your dad on Thursday night, right? Oh yeah, he was. <laughs> oh, so, he was. He so was. It, so, okay. So. The the reason the reason I'm asking is because well, whether you were with your dad or you were playing your dad in your head, I don't. You know, whatever that that whole thing is is if he exists or not. I but the uh the video that you made I was like oh this kid's in Rhode Island right now cuz he's got he's got like that extra twinge of bitterness like that extra that little like the knife is being turned right now <laughs> and I could tell that there were other factors happening and there was just like a lot of a lot of things that had been discussed before video was recorded. Well, no, you were talking about the one in the car? Oh, was it the car? You maybe you made one uh, when you're up there. It was. Um... I made one when I was up there about Paxton, uh, yeah. but I I got mad at Tanaka in the car right after the inning. I just I pressed record on the phone. I put the phone down because I didn't want to crash or get in an accident, and I just screamed about Tanaka because honestly, it it is. We call Tanaka our number one pitcher. Right, we, that was your your leg video. I, couldn't yeah. get, I, I personally <laughs> couldn't get past that. <laughs> Once I watched it back, so I, I pulled over to a rest stop before I posted. And I watched it back, and I was like. It's it's a good rant. It's kind of funny there. You're just looking at my thigh the entire time. I couldn't get past that. I, had, I, I didn't hear anything you said. I was <laughs> spitting in anger, so spit was just flying into the camera. Anyway, I was so mad at Tanaka because that's a that is we call Tanaka. We we say we trust him. We trust him in the playoffs. We trust him in a big game. That was a big game. That was a big game start for Tanaka. I think, and he completely shit himself. 
He, yeah. he gave him absolutely no chance. And the only reason he pitched past the first inning is because they had no pitching. Right. And Boone needed him to go out there. But he gave up 12 runs. That is an absolute embarrassment. Yeah, no, it's bad. And and I tweeted about this, too. The thing that's been pissing me off, and, you know, if you guys would listen, if, if you listen to the show for for a while, you, you kind of, you know, I'm a body language guy. And Tanaka's body language when he struggles, especially when he struggles in Boston and against Boston, just drives me insane. Because it's, you see the ball flying all over the park. And every time it happens, within that short amount of time, because it was the first inning, he's like shocked that it happened. Every time, like, oh my, I can't believe that just happened. And then the next one, what? I can't believe that just happened. It's Tell like me that this, splitter that didn't split that was that was belt high in the middle of the zone got hit 500 feet. Weird. It's like everything that happened was a mystery. Like how how could that possibly be? How could I possibly have been hit that hard? So like I don't know. It just drives me nuts. I'm like just you know I, where was the Tanaka that we saw like screaming at himself earlier in the season? Like I want that guy back. I liked that Tanaka a lot more with the with the body language. It made me feel better when he was doing worse. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It was, dude, like that, the, the outing on, um, on Thursday from Tanaka now for me puts London back in play. Sure. Because, uh, because we're you... not in London. We're in Fenway Park in a big game and a big start of a series where you can absolutely bury the Red Sox and you're giving up 12 runs. Like, okay, so there's no more atmosphere. There's no more London, uh, you know, wind tunnel, like knocking down, like not making your ball spin, which is I'm now I'm thinking even more bullshit than I thought it was in the first place. Like, what are we doing here? Well, what, what Porcello, are we absolutely doing here? Porcello, who got crushed in that London game, pitched decent against the Yankees on Thursday night. I know it was a huge lead, so maybe he just it's not a real game for him, but whatever. No, the thing I'm looking at for Tanaka against the Red Sox, the slash line, 593, 636, 1148. That, that that's that's as if the Red Sox know it's coming. I'm not saying he's tipping his pitches. We haven't heard that. I mean, I've heard it from fans, but I, I, there's no way you don't even hit that well against position players when they pitch, which they did on Thursday night. The Yankees decided, hey, it's a good idea to use our current starting catcher on the mound. Right. Who's, whose friggin' idea was that? Use Higgy. Well, why are you using Romine? How use does, Talkman. It, use Talkman. How does that make sense? How does using Romine, your starting catcher right now, because Gary's on the DL, to pitch? I, yeah, I, that's the dumbest thing of the entire night. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty crazy when you, when you think about the implications if he were to get hurt. Uh, if your starting catcher at that point gets hurt, I, I said Talkman. I'm not even sure if he was still in the game at that point. I don't remember. But the... Uh, doesn't it's matter. dumb. It's dumb. It's a dumb thing. But you know, obviously they uh, they didn't think about it very much, and they had a they had a guy who's the position player that's gonna that's gonna pitch, and and you know for a while it's been Romine. Romine's gonna be the guy, and they never made that adjustment. It's like never made that adjustment when uh, when Gary went out. Okay, so now who's the number two punter? You know, like who's the number two guy if if we have to get if we have our our second string quarterback go down and Tom Tupa's going in there to to uh, to play quarterback? Who's the guy that's gonna punt? Right, because <clears throat> it can't be him anymore. Yeah. Um, that discussion never happened. Maybe that's one of those things where we'll chalk it up to Aaron Boone having being a manager for the second time, and it won't happen again. But where's Larry Rothschild on that one? Where's Larry Rothschild on this past week of baseball? Everybody oh, no, wants no, his no. Head. He's speaking up. 
He's saying it's my responsibility to get it right. There you go. Head it off. Oh, <laughs> uh, you think, Larry? <laughs> you friggin' think? You're the pitching coach. It's, it's of course your responsibility to figure this stuff out. Yeah. Oh yeah. No one. No one likes Larry right now. Oh, everybody hates Larry. Nobody really liked Larry in the first place. <laughs> no, but now this is just a chance to pile on. And I don't even. I don't even know how much do you blame Larry. How much do you just blame the crappy pitching? I mean, I think there is definitely some blame to go to the, to the pitching staff or the pitching coach, the pitching coaches, uh, you know, him being the top guy, because there are adjustments that need to be made. That's very clear right now. Like you have guys that are struggling and it's everybody. So there need to be some kind of adjustments. And the fact that Paxton just continuously rolls out there every single game and gives up runs in the beginning, no, uh, gives up leadoff home runs, three drives games me in insane. a row. Yeah, so like there are things like that that you need to figure out, like why that's happening, and and then fix it or do something different. You know, talk about talk about um, body language. Like that dude's facial expressions are not oh. helping matters either. He's Awful. he's getting he's getting some terrible faces in there, and uh, they're way too easily screenshotted. Like he looks like a jackass. I saw someone compare his face to Andy Pettit's face. <laughs> Side by side, saying this is what it hap- this is what it looks like to win in the '90s, and Andy Pettit just has that stare with the over the glove, you know, and then yeah. Paxton like have it with his like you know I, I'm I'm the most confused person that's ever deer in the, the face of the planet. Well, after he gave up a couple bombs in the first inning, there was a Twitter video that someone tagged us in, and um, Paxton is sort of barking at Romine, saying, "You want me to just throw?" Because they maybe couldn't get on the same page of signs, or maybe Romine wasn't putting signs down fast enough. So you can clearly see the frustration that Paxson is going through. But first three, inning, first inning, yeah, first, first inning. inning, more first inning runs allowed. He's he's a terrible that's my, first. Inning that's my pitcher. problem is you you you're not on the same page in the first inning. Like that's you, you right, should no. have a game plan going into that first. Like that should be the most important inning of your life at that moment, especially right? with the history of this guy struggling in the first inning. That's what I mean. There should be a game plan. There should be a game plan for this first. This first inning should almost be scripted. Like, this is what we need to do to get better. This is how we need to handle it. These are the pitches that we need to throw. These are the guys that we know are coming up. This is how we attack them. This is what we're going to do. We're going to... We almost have this, like, you know, uh, uh, in sync, like a play that we've rehearsed and and go out and attack your your, your plan. And the the plan was, oh, I'm just going to throw because I can't... I'm confused with either the signs that are going down or I don't like what they're, what's happening or I can't see them or I don't know what the hell it is. Well, there you know what happens when you just go out there and throw? You give up four home runs, three to Mookie Betts, and for a third game in a row, I, I'm, I'm like, keep harping on this issue, but I, I think it's a big deal. Third start in a row against all different teams, he has allowed a leadoff batter to hit a home run. That's atrocious. Yeah, That's uh, From the very get-go... It's like, oh, here we go again. You suck. Right, right. And these guys are looking to tee off on something, too. They want to they continue that streak. <laughs> They're like, I'm, you throw a fastball anywhere near the strike zone, and I'm going to hit it over the, over the fence. He struck out nine and walked nobody and gave up four home runs. It's like the, it's one ba- of the weirder starts. the microcosm of baseball today. I know. One of the weirder starts I can, I can imagine because you see wa- struck out nine, walked nobody. Wow, awesome. Great start, Paxton. Because we've said, don't walk people. Don't beat yourself. Leadoff walks have killed him. Deep counts have killed him. That didn't happen. Anytime well, you know, the ball was in the middle of the plate, he just got bombarded. That's why. So when you're when you're erratic and you don't see the walks, well, probably the guys are hitting. 
they're they're what they're doing is they're putting it in play. They're not sitting there waiting for the walk. They're they're looking to uh, as the as the Red Sox said last year. They're they're going to do damage on these pitches. Like that's what they're looking to do. They're not looking to walk. This team does not look to walk when you have a guy that's that's struggling as bad as he is. So speaking of my of, of videos I did the post game video on Friday too and I was almost like punch drunk at that point where I all I could do was laugh it was it was legitimately funny to me that the Yankees got crushed again funny in a bad way I was delirious la- laughing at the at the disgust like it was disgusting I was disgusted it was it was another awful loss on a guy Tanaka you start the series with Tanaka Paxton your two pitcher, those guys should be your two best pitchers. And they went out there and got crushed in a big series. I was delirious. I, I, all I could do was laugh. And, pe- and, and a couple people commented like, are you happy they're getting? No, I'm not happy they're getting crushed. But, but what do you want me to say to when your pitchers go out there and completely suck again? What is there to say? There's no analysis that you can do. There's no takeaways that you can do. All you can say is our pitching sucks. There's there's really nothing to do. There's nothing to say. I mean, on uh, on Saturday, so, someone was tweeting us asking like if we were alive from the Friday night game. I was like, honestly, like I just needed to go and like chill at the pool and like hang out with my boys and you know have some have some uh, away from Twitter time yeah. because it was not uh, a fun place to be. No, it wasn't. It was not a fun place. And there's nothing to there's nothing to say. Look, you know, I'm not I'm not out here like commenting after every single pitch anymore, but. If there's something to say, I'll say it. And there's nothing to say in, in games like this. Like the, the, it's, the, it's I would just say the same thing. I would just be pissed off and say the same things over and over because that's the, the problems are not different. It's the same problems. It's the same problems. Same problems in Minnesota have brought uh, went to Fenway and they just never fix it. And the bats just didn't hit like they did in, in Minnesota. Because if Minnesota, if these bats didn't come out, uh, wake up and <clears throat> pull some wins out of their ass. This would have been two series in a row where we didn't talk about getting our asses kicked mm-hmm. and, uh, and not blaming the offense because why would you? And we'd be squarely looking at the pitching with, you know, maybe seven losses, potentially yeah. seven losses because yeah. that's how bad they played. They should have probably lost every single game. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they almost gave away Sunday's game with the late inning bullpen. on. Uh, but Friday... One thing I did actually find funny, legitimately genuine funny, was the MLB replay calling that ball down the left field line fair when it was it was not it was not kind of foul it was clearly foul. <laughs> the ball was there was like, a there was a freaking mark <laughs> was like four inches to the left of the of the foul line. What is going on? You know, if this I, was I'm, if this was the French Open, like the Hawkeye, like sees the line, knows it's not there, and then the person goes over there and sees the ball mark and like, oh, yep, didn't hit it. So how many how many replays do we have to see that like zero chalk flew up? That's something that really pisses me off is that the TV broadcast will show one replay. It'll take five seconds, and the announcers and everyone at home will say fair ball or foul ball or that he was out or he was safe. And then it takes the replay booth six minutes to look at it, and then they fuck it up. I I really like I'm sitting there like what's the point of this? Why why are we doing this? Get rid of it. Get rid of it. I don't care. I will, if my life can move on at that moment and it's just called a fair ball and I'm like, oh, the umpire missed that, but I'm going to move on, I'll be fine with I could I could live with that. You're I right, lived because with that human for 30 years there. before whatever, before replay. But this I can't live with. I can't no. live with five-minute delay on the field to just get the call wrong. I can't live with instant replay getting the call wrong, period. It's driving me nuts. What's the point of it? Like, I... 
there there should be no wrong calls at this point unless something is so unbelievably close that that you just can't tell even when you slow it down as far as you as much as you possibly can but the, so like if they're doing this if if these guys go behind uh and they put on the headphones and they're there for 30 seconds okay 30 seconds if you can't clearly see that it was either wrong or right on the field just throw your hands up and keep the whatever it was like that's it just put a time limit on it right there if you can't figure it out in that in that time frame like just get rid of it just just walk away it, it should never go that far do we know the replay booth in the MLB headquarters like what's going on in there how is it is it like three people independently looking at something and then all giving their judgment and then the winning judgment wins is it is it one guy do we know what it is I, I don't know I think I did know at one point and I don't know if they've changed I, who knows if I can look it up it after the show but I, I'm curious how the replay booth looks at that in the the, the Manhattan studios some assholes says, like I saw chalk fly I saw you, white it's like no, you didn't. What did you zoom it down to like a million pixels? Like no, you didn't. No, you did not see white. Check your eyes. No, no I saw white. No, you didn't. <clears throat> so conspiracy oh, now, theory. Now time. here we are. Yeah, there's some some uh, some jackasses a Red Sox fan in there. It's like oh, I saw white. No, 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 not not a Red Sox fan. Um, a Mets Umpires, fan because they're just trolling us at this point. Umpires been getting a bad rap recently, especially as it pertains to Yankees games. Savages in the box, Boone embarrassed. Oh, so now the umpires are against the Yankees. Yep, umpires are against the Yankees. Or MLB knows they have an umpire problem. They don't want to make their umpires look bad with another overturned call. Savage in the box is the best thing that happened to baseball probably all year. (laughs) Probably all year. It probably got the most attention of anything all year. Yep. So otherwise, they, otherwise a uh, mean, uh, otherwise a Thursday afternoon before during a doubleheader game in July would have had no no attention. Yeah, and in, and, and instead it, it had national implications for days and days and days, and then you know will be a theme for but, the rest but, of the season. But MLB does not like they like public good publicity. They don't like bad publicity. I don't think Other they care. Sports, I don't think they care anymore. This I is, think this they is do still, care. I don't think this is bad publicity though. Bad publicity is a major a major athlete getting popped for steroids. That's uh, bad publicity. I, I saw a, a major I, cursing, at, at ranting at somebody is is just is just sports at this point because it happens at, ba- at basketball no. all the time. It happens in football. It happens in in soccer. It happens in every sport. Managers lose their minds. It happens I all disagree. The time. I think what this yes originally after people got over the funniness of Boone ranting. It, the conversation then moved to baseball has terrible umpires and they need to move to an, a robot umpire system. Why are we not on a robot strike zone yet? That is the conversation 12 hours after the initial moment. That was all that was being written. Casual fan doesn't care about that. Casual fan doesn't read that article. Casual fan sees fire in the bo- fire, fire in the box, savage in the box. Uh, Boone screaming obscenities and like, oh, that's hilarious. Like this guy is just losing his mind. He's a 40 year old man. Like that's the funny thing about managers and coaches when they lose their mind. You put, if you, if you take away the sport, take away like the scenario of what's happening, you literally just have a couple 40 year old, 50 year old guys like screaming obscenities at each other and doing very childish acts. Like take everything out of the scenario. It's an utterly ridiculous situation. I see you went down like a Joe Torre rabbit hole of yelling at umpires. I I don't even know how I stumbled upon it. I was like, oh my god, I've never. I don't think I YouTube. Seen was it. it YouTube or where'd you find it? Yeah, I was looking on. I had Googled. I don't even remember what the hell I Googled. I was just looking. Uh, it was during one of these games. It was blowouts, and I was like, I'm was like, what else? Are freaking, you gonna do? I'm not watching this. I'm gonna I'm gonna casually watch this and uh, look up some some other rants. 
and I, and I stumbled upon it. But um, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I don't think I've seen. No, I have heard Tori uh, use that kind of language. It's beautiful. I hadn't. Seen it was him very. Run I was. Very, I was like. I had to check it again. And like, make sure that was Joe Tory. That was the first time I saw him run. Yeah, he, he sprinted out there, and he was. Um, he was looking spry. F this. F you know, Mr. T looking spry. Like the best. The best part about that video to me is the the back and forth and the casual obscenities that are just getting thrown back and yeah. forth. Just how we talk, <laughs> and like they're doing cocksucker this cocksucker. One of the guys is like, I'm not cocksucking anybody. Like. like <laughs> They're responding to it too. It's hilarious. Well, it really was, is a it was really the 70s. Is a great video. It was right at the seventies. It was eighty, early eighty. I think it was eighty two or eighty three. Yeah. Okay. Those are on all of the social channels. If you did not see them, uh, great Joe Torre rants back in the day. Yeah, the full ones are on Twitter. The Instagram cuts me off. Um, Saturday, Sabathia ends up after the start ends up going on the injured list with a knee issue again, but. The frustrating thing is it actually looked like the Yankees were going to be in this game, and Sabathia just kept giving back the lead immediately. Anytime the Yankees did anything, CC went back out there, coughed it up. And then, the, and then it's like, excuses, his knee was hurting him, that's why he's been struggling so much. Maybe. But this is, that's a known quantity with Sabathia. You, you, he's got knee issues. That's what he's going to be pitching with, knee issues. Right. I mean, and, and the fact that he's on the IL could just also be like, Let's get him some more. Let's get him some more rest. Let's get another guy in here because the trade deadline's also coming up. Like the, it could have been a roster moving situation, but with CC, like this is the thing. Like the rest of the season, he shouldn't be playing. Let's all be honest. He probably shouldn't be playing. Like physically, he's not. He's not. Re- he's not there. He's not. This knee is still an issue. The knee has not been the magical knee after the quarter zone shot. Like that was not a thing anymore. And. He's showing his age. If he gets me, the cortisone he, shot, that'll be three, correct, on the season? Is he getting another one? Have they, have uh, they said no, that? No, they have not said he's getting one, but otherwise uh, it's I just I think he rest. had one early in the season, and then I think he's had two. I think that's He's right. had two, so this would be three, I believe, which I think three cortisone shots in a matter of five months, four months is, is an issue. I don't know. I don't what, I mean, who, you're, you're why do you the think, doc. Yeah, I was going to say, who do you think you are? The... Um, <clears throat> I don't, I don't know. You're not cares. supposed to get that many cortisone shots. I don't think it? he cares. You know, it's like, um, this is it. So who cares? He's going to lose. He's probably going to lose a whole bunch of weight as soon as he stops playing. And, you know, he'll get back to skinny CC, you know, doing things off the field, announcing games. Like the knee won't be as much of an issue probably because he's not going to be at his playing weight. So he doesn't care. He's not, he's not doing anything physical. Okay. So, so fine. He gets, they, life. they give him a month off to just chill and, and, then hopefully the idea is he can pitch September and October on a healthy knee. I don't even or think not, it's he- be not a- healthy knee, a knee that he can tolerate pain with. I don't even think it's going to be a month. Like I think that, I think it's going to be shorter than that. I think why? What's the point of bringing him back if you acquire a starting pitcher at the deadline, which you have to, you have to acquire a starting pitcher at the deadline. There's another starter for you. What's right. the harm in keeping CC out as long as possible to get him so I can get one more push out of Sabathia? He's not going to get a start in the playoffs. I'm not saying he's going to get a start in the playoffs. But he, he might pitch in the playoffs, and I don't want him to suck. No, I mean, it's, it's possible they could, but I have a feeling like the way that this injury is playing out is that it's just a matter of convenience as well. I, I don't know. I think, it's, I think it's all part of this roster shuffling thing because they're trying to get fresh arms up as well. They know what's happened this past week with the arms. They're trying to get more pitching. And, and the fact that they have an opportunity to put CC on the IL for a little bit, which is a good thing for him, and then also helps out with some more flexibility in the roster, also not a bad thing. 
I just think it's a convenience as well. I think they could always just like, oh, his knee. You know. Well, in the last week, he's pitched the best. And it's been bad, like non-competitive. <laughs> no, he's, he's pitched I, the I best. Just, I, he's, he's been at times just not, not competitive. Uh, and, you know, those, those home run balls that he's serving up, yeah. he's, when he's throwing the ball over the plate, like I don't think he's really fooling anybody anymore. I think that he's hit ahead now where this whole transition into the Andy Pettit of, uh, of pitching, you know, He's just not throwing the, the, the ball as well as he was when he, when he really captured that. No, he has to be perfect on the corners, and yeah. he's got to get guys to swing at the slider and the cutter. And, and the ball has to be in play and, and get and outs And he as well. can get soft contact, and it's, it's weird because he's been getting that at home. He's been getting – I got to go break down the opponents again. Maybe he's just faced crap opponents at home, but I don't think so. I know I, – I'm pretty sure home and road, it's been pretty much the same. As far as opponent opponent quality goes, but yeah. he's been he's been an effective pitcher at home, and he's been an ineffective pitcher on the road. Yeah, I mean, who knows why that that's a that's a real thing? I mean, maybe it is. Maybe he's just old and curmudgeonly and wants to be with his family, and that's it. Okay, hates, that's the hates case, everyone then. else. If that's pitch the him case at, home. at this point, pitch him at home, and that gives him extra time off in between starts. And you're going to get another starter anyway, like I said. So you could probably work it if that's what if if he's going to come back and pitch. I'm not even guaranteed. So I'm the Roger even... Clemens treatment. Yeah, 07, He only pitched at home, right? Throw him at home. That was the yeah. that was uh, when he came back, wasn't he? Just he was pitching at home. Yeah, Roger. Uh, in the Yankees. In the box. Yankees hit sale, which was good. They made him throw 100 pitches and five and a third. They hit him hard. Romine and Didi home runs. Geo two doubles. Uh, that's great to see that they, they hit their best pitcher hard. But why, after you get a big lead, does Adovino, Britton, and Chapman have to make things scary? Adovino allows two hits in two-thirds of an inning. Britton loads the bases. He gives up uh, two, walks two walks in an inning. Chapman, two hits, a walk, two runs in the ninth inning. It, it, why does it have to be a struggle? These are your best relievers. What I'm seeing by these guys, and like the, the difference I think that, that, that we've seen in the past to Adovino, Britton, and Chapman, which is currently the back end of our, our bullpen right now, these guys aren't, aren't the biggest. Um, like the, you can, there's, there's a lot of contact being made, whereas in the past we've had a lot of, you know, Batantis coming in there and he's going to strike guys out. Chapman, when right, is going to strike guys out. Britton pitches to contact. Adovino, contact. There's, 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 Adovino's there's, been scary the last month. There's yeah, because those frisbees are going over the plate and they're just not the same anymore. They're not, they're not as uh, they're not as sharp as they were. They're they're more like sweeping, um, breaking balls that are coming across the plate and they just don't they don't seem to be scaring anybody. His you look at his numbers and he's still got great numbers. The Britain walks are still driving me nuts. Uh, the the fact that this guy is walking people, I, I don't understand it. I really don't. Uh, but at least he was able to get out of it. He threw some nasty pitches to get. I think that. That uh, that pitch he threw to Jackie Bradley Jr. to get out of that and strike him out was a great pitch. Um, so you're seeing glimpses of of Britain, but again, I don't, I don't, I have no like I don't have a lot of confidence in the back of our our bullpen right now. If we are in a tight game, if this is a one run game, oh, they're screwed. I, I this got, was a five no run confidence. game. This was a five run game, and you're legitimately scared that the Red Sox are going to tie it. Yeah, like the fact. That, Having a Batantis in the back that could just come out and blow somebody away is so missed right now. It really is. Because that guy doesn't exist. And the Yankees are fortunate they got a couple of those insurance runs because they scored uh, three runs. Um, two of them came on that Bradley Jr. error. 
and then the other one came on a pass ball. The Bradley Jr. error, do not lose sight of the fact that the only reason he threw it to first base is because Luke Voigt had his thumb up his ass and was almost on second base on a pop fly to center field. Yes. No, that's that's a problem. <laughs> so there yeah, are times out, where it worked out. Like, they looks scored. like he's not playing baseball. Like he's just in la la land, just doing yep. whatever, staring yep. at strike threes for the umpteenth time. You know, not paying attention to the plays, like understanding that Jackie Bradley Jr. is probably the, one of the best, if not the best, defensive center fielders out there, um, and just looked over and saw the wrong uniform. You know, or or didn't even look, just kind of saw uh, one of his boys pointing over to first and just threw. You know, I don't know. It was a fluky play. It was they got really lucky on that play. Yeah, and if you don't get those insurance runs, those base runners in the eighth and ninth inning are a lot more scary. Yankees are coming home, which is good. If you go want to go see a game this week at the stadium, they got Arizona, they got the Red Sox. You should definitely be using SeatGeek. Baseball season is well underway, and there's no better place to get your tickets than on SeatGeek. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Um, being there in person, you and I go to a ton of games. A lot of times I just hop on SeatGeek after work, um, see what the, what the deals are. Uh, using the app is a very clean experience. You, you just go on whatever, a baseball game, football game. Maybe you're looking to see a concert. The seats are rated by color from red being a bad deal all the way up to green being a good deal. Obviously graded on price, graded on value for the seat, graded on how close you are to the action. So depending on what you want to pay, you know you're getting a deal based on that color code system. Uh, they also did something fun this year, which we talked about last time. They ranked all of the stadiums uh, yeah. as far as atmosphere, food, uh, getting there, bathrooms, all that kind of stuff. If you want to see where your team ranks, if you want to see where Yankee Stadium ranks, you can go to SeatGeek.com slash stadium dash guides, and you can find your local stadium. So Scott, it's, it's really good also like if you're going out, if you're out of town for business – or you know mm-hmm. you're 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 traveling on vacation with your family. You could go and hit that up and see where the the good spots that's, are, what to go to, and what not that's to one go thing. to. Have you ever done that? I, yeah. So I I was in San Francisco. Whenever um, I'm on a business trip, I try to catch a game. I was in San Francisco 2012, I believe 2013, 2012, 2013, and uh, it was in September, end of the season, and I had never been to a game at the Giant Stadium, and it was just a like one of the last games of the season. I, I just hopped online, five dollar tickets. Yeah, perfect. So you, whether you're on a business trip or uh, you know, you're following your team and they're ranked high or low, make sure you get out to the game this season with SeatGeek. And to help you save even more on your tickets, our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just go to the SeatGeek app and enter promo code BRONX today. That's BRONX for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Is the injury bug coming back? Is that what's has happening? It, has, it, has it left? Well, it kind of kind of left. Did it? I feel like it left for a little while. Did it? We got Gary more guys Sanchez. back. Gary Sanchez is down. No, but that's what I'm saying. That was very recent. Like we got more guys back and no one no one major was going back going on the IL. But now we had Sanchez go down, Gardner go down, Sabathia go down, and LeMahieu, who's the most important player on the team this year, second most important to judge, is now day to day unsure if he'll go on the IL. <laughs> I had to put this quote from Boone in here. <laughs> Speaking about LeMahieu's groin, there's something small in there, so I think we're still evaluating if it's something we can, he can grind through. We'll get our arms around it as best we can in the next 24 hours and try and make a good decision. 
Like, come on, Boone. You're talking about a man's groin. <clears throat> yeah. Look, DJ LeMahieu is so freaking important to this team. You said being the second most important. I mean, this year you could probably argue that DJ LeMahieu might possibly be the most important, uh, including Aaron Judge. But he's just, he's just, he brings that, that, that sense of calmness to the lineup. He, you know, you almost, you, you expect and you know he's going to give you a good at bat every single time. No matter where he's playing in the field, that position is locked down. And he's just brought that, that clarity to, to, you know, what's been a, a relatively unclear situation at times with his team. So um, they said he was available yesterday off the bench. You know, so I'm hoping it's not much. The, they have two days off. Obviously, today is an off day. Thursday is an off day. Again, there's another one of those weird weeks with, with a two-game set against Arizona. And then so, they play 19 games in 17 days. There you go. So, I mean, maybe this is a – if it's still lingering, like this could be an opportunity where LeMahieu maybe doesn't play against Arizona and just takes that takes advantage of these two days on, on either side of the um, the series and uh, and essentially gets, you know, almost a week off. So that's why you know, they called up Tyler Wade for Sabathia yeah. for the extra infielder. And there you go. And and maybe that's also another reason why Sabathia, you know, missing a start, giving some flexibility with the uh, with, with the with the roster because Lemayhew's out. Maybe their intention was to give him some some more time off. Um, but yeah, the fact that quick, he said he was off the bench, it's a weird quick series. Like if Lemayhew's not able to go Tuesday night, what are the chances he's going to be able to go one o'clock on Wednesday? Well, why would you in the first place? Like if right. he's battling something, if there's a a groin issue, or if they, you know, if they've by that time evaluated and seen the small thing that's in his groin, then hopefully, <laughs> which I don't believe, which I think is fake news. Let's all be honest. Lemayhew, Lemayhew is doing just fine. I think, right? He's like, well hung. He's fine. He's just doing fine. Like when I see those runners with scoring position numbers, I know that man's doing all right. The um, he's confident. <laughs> he's confident. He's got yeah. He's confident in his swag. The uh, but yeah, I mean, it is it when you look at what the, the way that the roster plays out right now and the fact that. Wade got brought up and he's, you know, an interchangeable player. Give him the time, man. Like, I would not be upset if they didn't play him against Arizona and he was just ready to go for Boston. Like, okay, fine, do it. We talked about the, talked about the importance of LeMahieu. Alex Cora was quoted talking about LeMahieu. He said he's a game changer for the Yankees, the way he approaches the game, how he can do all sorts of things on, on defense, how he's been, um, his sort of presence at the plate, talked about his runners and scoring position, uh, he's an all-star. Um, so Cora identified the biggest change in the Yankees from 2018 to 2019, at least on the field, is LeMahieu. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate. I mean, when you look at all the things that LeMahieu has brought to this team, the hitting approach is the biggest thing. Like that, We talked about this in the offseason when they got him. You know, I think we identified immediately, like, this guy is a contact guy. This guy, this guy can hit the ball, spray it all over the field, and is a very different type of hitter than what the Yankees have on there. He's not a swing and miss guy. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and hit, you know, 40 home runs and strike out, uh, you know, an insane amount of times. That's not who he is. He brings a more balance to this lineup. And yeah, I think Cora's dead on with that. I think he balances out this lineup and and then just gives you such a, a an important cog in the in the field wherever you put him. So he's he's great everywhere. And we got Maben back. I, I don't know why the Yankees retroactive doesn't matter, but they retroactively put Gardner on the IL to the 22nd of July, even though he didn't play after the 20th of July. I don't quite get that. It, it, maybe there's some 40-man implication that I'm, I'm sure not aware of. I'm sure there's some bookkeeping thing, yeah. Maybe it had yeah. something to do with 
Um, I, I don't know. I, I think they're they're trying to make make sure that they have availability and room for the trade deadline as well, so that they don't have to make any. Because Maben's a cut. He's not a demotion. He's a cut. Like there's there's other things. There's scenarios I think that they're trying to play out with the uh, with the forty man roster and the twenty five man roster because well, Maben would be cut. Add. But if it's they might then just send Talkman send down, down Talkman because down. he has options. But yeah, how, do so, you send, how do you send? How do you send talk? It doesn't down? matter. It's a roster decision. I mean, like it is what it is at this All point. Right. It's numbers. So I don't know. I think they're playing funky things with the roster right now, just to give themselves flexibility in case they do need to add somebody and put them on on the um, on the roster. And you kind of mentioned before we press record, Arizona's in town. That's a good time for they can just send their pitchers across the diamond to the Yankees dugout. But again, Arizona's a game over five hundred. They're bunched up with a bunch of teams for the NL wild card. Are they going to punt? When they're in, a, in, a, in the NL wildcard race. Yeah, they are going to punt. They're going to punt and they're going to, um, everything's going to stay in New York. It's going to stay in New York. Cashman's just going to, you know, send the invitation. He's going to send the, uh, the invitation over to the other box. Say, come on over. Third inning. Let's go. Let's have some drinks. He's going to have, he's going to have some, uh, some, some, some damn good, some damn good whiskey ready. And they're going to sit down like men and make a deal. Cashman's going to take their best players. And they're actually peanuts. exactly 500. Um, but regardless, they're, they're in a, in a dogfight for the NL wildcard. So is San Francisco, and San Francisco doesn't seem like they're going to sell. I, I guess that's just the difference in the two franchises, and, and the Giants are trying to make one last run with Bumgarner, whereas the Diamondbacks might, might be willing to trade somebody. We're going to see Granke on Wednesday, and that's the trade deadline day. 4 o'clock on Wednesday. I'm going to be at that game on Wednesday afternoon. If the Yankees do not make a deal, it'll be very interesting to be in the stadium as the deadline is approaching and passing if there's no deal made. Because there has to be a deal made. There has to be a deal made. There, there's going to be a deal made. The, the, um, no, according to these quotes that were tweeted out from Brian Cashman, who spoke yeah. to the media. Did you see my, uh, my definition of uh, posturing when I, that I put on Twitter for everybody to read and, and understand what it means? Because no, Enlighten me. None of this matters. None of, the, none of the things that Cashman says matters to anything or anybody. He's just playing his game. Let he's it go. trying to not seem desperate, but everyone knows he's desperate. He's just saying anything. It doesn't matter what he's saying. That's the whole point. The whole point of posturing is that you're just you're saying things that, that either are going to fool somebody or you're just saying them to say them. Like You're just going out there and trying to position yourself without positioning yourself. You're going out there and trying to play something that maybe you aren't, or just you know try to try to put some uncertainties in people's head. Oh, oh, you have your confidence like these guys are coming back. All right, maybe he doesn't need them. Maybe Severino no, is closer than we thought. No one thinks that. It, do you? If you're an opposing GM, Billy Bean probably thinks it. If you're an opposing, to everything he says is like, oh, damn it, I didn't know that. He he also if he's been told there's a bridge to sell him, and he fell for that one too. But. Cashman's desperate. Everyone knows he's desperate. Is he, is he going to overpay? Do you think Cashman will overpay for a pitcher? Well, I think we clearly saw he that he's to not. Be sold? Does I he think, need to be sold? I think he needs to have the right situation. I think that we just So then saw, a deal might not be made. Look, this whole Stroman thing is ridiculous. We haven't talked about it yet. But the mm-hmm. fact that the Mets just <laughs> traded for Marcus Stroman is one of the more ridiculous things They're I've the seen. They're the dumbest franchise on earth. But that being said... If it if it sets them up for you know trading Syndergaard, which that's that's the only thing that would make sense. The only thing that would make sense to me is if they're trading Syndergaard and they got Stroman with another year of control. But Syndergaard has two years of control. Okay, fine. But they're gonna get 
a lot more for Syndergaard than they gave up for Stroman. So, like, if you're doing that, okay, I, I could see something, and you're making a you're making a run next year. Like, you identify next year as a year that you're gonna go. <laughs> they're you're they're gonna, they're gonna come to get you. And then next they'll year. be three games under 500 next year at this time, and then what are they gonna do? But you know they. Um, so, like, if you if you see the player and you see the the fit, if you trade Syndergaard, like, I, okay, I could kind of see it. And and what they gave up, maybe it was just too good to pass up because it seemed like. Uh, number four and six in your own organization, the prospects that they gave up to get Marcus Stroman, seemingly are a lot less than we ever talked about. You know, any scenario with um, yeah. Stroman being traded to the Yankees or the 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 Astros or whomever else. Like, wh- what? Like, wh- where where were we on these talks? But so you're you're talking about overpaying. Well, we just saw the first guy drop, and seemingly the Yankees could have gotten him for a much better deal. That they could have offered, and they unless, didn't. Unless, unless the GM of Toronto is forcing Cashman to overpay for two reasons: one, they're in division, so he's not going to want to trade him in division <clears throat> for the same deal. It's you're always going to pay more for in division, right. but also two, maybe he didn't want to trade him uh, to the Yankees. Maybe it's just a Yankees thing, and we know you're desperate. We're holding your your feet to the fire. You need to overpay because you are desperate. Basically, and it could have been like, you know, th- this is who we want. We want Frazier. We want Garcia. If you give us those two players, you will get Marcus Stroman. But those are the two players it's going to take. And Brian Cash was looking down just like, I just can't do it. I can't do it for, for, for that guy. Um, you know, who knows how they evaluated Stroman. And, um, He's and a ground then, ball you know, pitcher who's uh, having a good season. Yeah. Ground ball pitchers would play well at Yankee Stadium. And the fact that the Mets... Just swept over there and and made Marcus Stroman eat every single New York comment. He's like, God damn it! No, he's he found a picture of himself in a little Mets jersey back in the day. Someone did. They, uh, you know, he's probably just like, you know, throwing out savages. The fact that he loves the big lights, like, like this is the guy that he wanted to come to to New York so badly to play for the Yankees. All of a sudden, the Mets sweep in and. And take him. It's kind of funny at the same time. Like you kind of like you're looking at that like, oops, like that bitchy in the ass. Of course, the Mets would get a guy that just wants to pitch for the Yankees. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like it's it's a it's another level of trolling, is what it is. And and you know if this is a, a, a setup for them to trade Syndergaard to to you know go out there and try to get as much as they possibly can. Okay, you know. I mean, there's maybe, still a guy. Maybe, the maybe Yankees. It's, there's still potential savviness in this move if we can if they can complete it. Giles is still with the Blue Jays. Giles is a guy that we've heard rumored with the Yankees. Green from the Tigers as well as Boyd from the Tigers. So talking about adding bullpen depth as well as starting depth. I still think if the only thing they do at the deadline is add a bullpen arm, people are going to be really pissed off. I'm going to be really pissed off. This rotation is not going to get through the season. I'm sorry. It's not going to get through the season. Yeah, and then there's no there's there's no August deadline. There's no like a crafty veteran that you're going to be signing off the street unless you're literally signing him off a couch. Because there's, there's Severino, the updates we got on Severino over the weekend, Boone's, Boone, first of all, misspoke and said Batances is ahead of Severino and then backtracked and said Severino is ahead of Batances. But it doesn't matter. Neither are close. Neither, has a, neither has a date on them. So what is, Sever, what is best case in your mind for Severino? Best case? Uh, where are we? This is um, July 29th. Um, like last week of August. I'm talking about... Okay, so if he comes back last week of August, is he a five-inning pitcher? Is he a four-inning pitcher? He's pitches. He's on a pitch count. So it's 75 on, pitches? 
I mean, I think that's what they, they they've always had that number. That seventy five number is, is is him stretched out. So okay, so if they're if he not going to push his seventy five, I think they could. I think they could. I think if he came back and showed and and was showing that and was uh, you know ramping up accordingly and and getting to seventy five with no issues, that they would just continue to to to, to move him along. Yeah, I could see that. All right, I think a realistic best case scenario for Severino is like seventy five pitches, which is four innings, which means you're that's not a full starter. It's a full Yankee starter, but it's not. I mean, a yeah. Full. I mean, what is this full starter anymore? I mean, what, do we even know what that looks like? Because, well, if you have four innings out of Severino and four innings out of Paxton and four innings out of Tanaka, that's not really much of a starting rotation going into the playoffs. But that doesn't change things. I mean, it is the the fact is like our guys need to pitch better, and then we can call them, uh, uh, you know, a, a guy that goes deeper, and then we can compare Severino to some a guy that goes deeper. But that guy doesn't exist anymore, so I don't even know who we're comparing him to anymore. We're we're comparing him to starters that don't exist. So the fact that he would come out there and throw seventy five pitches, if he got through four innings and seventy five pitches, that'd be a freaking miracle. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. You know, that's a great start. That's a quality start today, isn't it? You know the Yankees have a, a difference in quality starts. Their analytics department probably has like a different quality start uh-huh. number. Yankees. So what is the Yankees' quality start? Four innings, nine hits, three and a half runs. How do you give up a half a run? <laughs> you just you just do it. You know over time. So I'm thinking it's less it's less statistics than that, and it's it's like don't yell on the mound, don't embarrass the Yankees, and the Yankees are still in the game when you leave. It doesn't matter if it's the first inning, second inning, eighth inning. The Yankees need to be in the game when you leave the game, and that's a quality start. If you <laughs> leave in the second inning, but if you leave in the second inning and it's and three it's to three, to nine. <laughs> nine to nine in the first inning, quality start, man. We have a chance. We're going to our bullpen, and it's tied. <laughs> it's pathetic. It really is. The, but the uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think again, like we've talked about this. I, I just don't think there's a label to put on him. If he starts the game and gives up seventy five pitches. And and that's where it is, and he's in the fourth inning, and they'll they'll go to somebody else. If he if he gets through five at seventy five pitches, fine. If he gets through three, fine. Just we need quality innings. That's it. Contending teams all got better this week. Twins got Sergio Romo, A's acquired Jake Diekman, and the Rays got Eric Sogard. Okay. Okay. Twins needed bullpen help. They got bullpen help. A's acquired another reliever. I, I'm not worried about the Rays, but they got a player who's. <laughs> Freaking murdered the Yankees this year. Yeah, and he's got Rexpec. So those guys, I don't trust. You know, I, I'm a I'm a team Rexpec guy. Just feel like people take them for granted. They don't take them seriously, and then they come out and they hurt you. So um, he's one of those guys. He he's he's actually the one that wears glasses too, right? They're not even Rexpecs. He wears straight up glasses. Can I get? Can I give you a live update of my dad texting me right now? Please do. Chapman has issues, and Judge should be on the bench when the team plays at Fenway. 150 lifetime average there. He looks clueless. Here, I'll prove it. There, there are the text messages. I mean, you can send that to yourself and make it look the same, too. The, um, yeah, I mean, Judge has been struggling out there. Uh, he's, he'll figure it out. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not benching fully, Judge. Fully confident. But he does, he does have terrible numbers lifetime at Fenway. Yes. Take it for what it is. It's just fact. Yeah, yeah. He's got to back up this boombox now. I feel like that's a— Oh, it's that, in his that, head. That's going to be a thing. Boombox it will be later in the season, that's for sure. We've got two and a half days. By the way, all the, all the things you just said about, like Sergio Romo, probably the bigger deal of, of all those. Like Jake Diekman's been on 100 teams. Uh, Eric Sogard, you know, crafty guy. Yeah, like, the uh, Twins bullpen is garbage, and they added a quality reliever. But the fact that the Rays, you know, they're, again, the Rays just don't, they don't really move the needle for me right now. No, but maybe, maybe. You get and I don't care it. about them because we're not playing them. We're only playing them two more times, so I don't care about them. Like they're going to do what they do. We're the going to do what we do. You might face the Twins in the playoff in a playoff series. Yeah, and they can hit. 
okay? And if you get into late innings and it's back and forth again, instead yeah. of facing garbage that we faced last week, you're going to be facing maybe Sergio Romo, and he's better than garbage. That's true. I, like I said, I think this, that's the significant move that we've seen so far. So um, you want to pour one out for Tulo? Man, that was fast. <laughs> was it well, fast? Hold on. No, does I he think get you his, gotta, does he get his money? He retired. He said the word retired. Does right. he get the rest of his contract? He was getting well, I don't, I don't remember what the contract was. What was the was contract? Like, he was still like owed. Like, I'll look it up right now. But I, uh, I'm sure. I mean, there's you no know way he would have said A-Rod retired. Reti- when A-Rod, quote, finished in 2016, yeah. he didn't use the word retire until after the season. Right. I, because if you retire, you forfeit your future salary. Yeah. But if you're just out well, of I'm baseball, sure th- it depends. It depends. They, there could be stipulations in the contract too. Like that's not just a, a blanket thing. It depends on what. what Unless happens. if you're no Bobby longer Bonilla, on Bobby Bonilla, Bobby Bonilla, that was in the co- right. That was in the contract. And this so could be in the contract. He signed through this year, right? So um, it could have been guaranteed when the year started. Who knows? At at uh, twenty million signed through this year. Troy Tulowitzki got paid twenty million dollars to play this year. Nineteen by the Toronto Blue Jays. Maybe that's why the Blue Jays GM is pissed off at the Yankees. Oh, that makes me sick. That's crazy. That's such. It's, that's like that's just like Playboy money right there. Not doing a damn thing. And now he's uh, didn't he get a job with like Texas college baseball? Get a job? I mean, he's he's just he's like yeah, I'm gonna go over here and help you guys now. That's what's happening. And they're like, oh okay, we'll give you gonna hang out. We'll give you an assistant coach title. Yeah, hang out with a bunch of uh, yeah. young 20-year-olds just have yeah. some fun. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. <laughs> He's going to go out there and, and uh, teach hitting. I'm happy he I'm got sure to I'm sure he'll achieve, be a great hitting coach. I'm happy he got to achieve his lifelong dream of hitting a home run in pinstripes. You know, Troy Tulowitzki is, um, it was all much ado about nothing. It really was. It was just a lot of, and, and I think we all expected that. You know, like, there oh, were no, no ex- I'm the only one who had it in my preseason predictions. There were no expectations. There were no expectations. There were no expectations for him. Like, Some anything people bought that he gave. hook, line, and sinker after his spring training. I people, wanted to. People got on the Tulo bandwagon. Yeah, the mindset was there. Like, the way that he was talking sounded good. <laughs> sounded good. Uh, another when PSA. When he hits the home run, he starts screaming. Sounds good when you talk. Everybody. Sound yeah, no, that's important. <laughs> it's good. You start yelling at your teammates when you hit a home run in spring training, that'll fire you up. Does he eventually get an invite to Old Timers Day? Probably. Probably. <laughs> Which is bad. He's looking for it. That was probably in his stipulations. Look, if I if <laughs> I'll I retire, walk, I'll retire if I can get an invite to 2020 Old Timers Day. Yeah, he did like the reverse moonlight gram thing. Like he walked across and became a <laughs> baseball player and then walked back off. I guess that actually is the moon, Moonlight Grand thing. And when he finally walked off, he became like a geriatric old man again. But he got his Old Timers Day invitation. So like it was granted. His wish was granted. I heard some people throwing around Hall of Fame title for Tulowitzki because of his numbers at shortstop. Go look at his Colorado. Um, go look at his course field numbers versus <laughs> non-course field numbers. Very drastic. Yeah, but did he do it for a long enough time anyway? No, I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer. But yeah. he's also a course field player. Because his OPS at home is something at at the Rockies uh, field was something like 980, which is spectacular. On the road, it's something like like seven seven ninety eight hundred, which is still fine, especially for a shortstop. But you're not even in a close to a Hall of Fame conversation. You, that, that that those words aren't even mentioned. No. You don't get a twenty million dollar a year contract unless you're posting an almost a thousand OPS in Colorado. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't think it's ever a conversation. I mean, he's, uh, if he had stayed healthy, you know, he, he probably would have been on the path for it, but he just didn't do enough for a long enough time. And then you saw a very bad player for a while, too. So we got a couple mailbags uh, and a final topic. But first, uh, August 31st is our last regular season event of the season. The Yankees are going to be playing Oakland, which could be another potential playoff matchup. It's going to be a big series. Labor Day weekend, Saturday afternoon in the Bronx. Um, $69 gets you game ticket, T-shirt, hot dog and beer in the stadium. Pre-game party. We're still figuring out where we're doing the pre-game party. It might be a little bit different for this final event. I'm looking forward to that. Those tickets are on the website. Go, go, uh, go snatch those up. Uh, going to be a fun weekend in the Bronx. Yeah, also, and, then, and real, real quick with the, on the pregame stuff, we'll have some clarity hopefully this week and, and be able to kind of announce what we're doing if it's uh, if it's anything different. It'll be a um, bar around the stadium. It's yeah, not going yeah, to be anything be, too different. Right, right, right. right. Um, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. This one's going to be a lot of fun too. This is going to be our last one, obviously. And the one thing I want people to keep in mind too is that when the playoffs do come and uh, and I'm fully expecting it, but I have to say it like this, if the Yankees are in the playoffs... We are uh, section two hundred five. We've already we've already talked to the Yankees. We are we are going to be um, those seats will be available to us. And what we are going to do is make them available. Not, we're not necessarily going to do an event, but we'll we'll have a group of people, most likely out in the in the uh, in, in that section for you know some of the games, probably not all of the games, but some of them. We'll, we'll pick some. Um, but all the people that come to our events, they're they are the ones that are going to get number one priority for those tickets, um, and they will be you know they will be. A good deal. They're going to be because they'll be probably at cost at, at, at ticket price rather than going out there and trying to um, you know race to get tickets for for a playoff game and then not getting them and then having to go on the uh, uh, the aftermarket. So definitely, and you get sign to up. you get to sit with the you know bunch of people that they've gone to a game with earlier this year. Insane amount of fun. The playoff games when you're with a group in like multiply it by a thousand. So much definitely. fun. So also, before mailbags, rate and review the podcast uh, wherever it is you listen, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. It helps us out Spotify. tremendously, like we said, Spotify. Uh, if you enjoy the show, we're over 350 episodes at this point. If you've listened to a handful, if you listen to almost all of them, I think there are a few people who say I've listened since day one, which is kind of fun. Maybe There's they weren't a lot of listening people. from the beginning, but they went back and, and listened to the episodes if, you would, if you've done that, if you haven't done that, regardless, give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. Um, really appreciate it. First up, John. I just listened to episode 351, and Andrew listed off Yankees average pitching rankings since 2014 when answering an email on Cashman. I think it's a bit unfair. Ownership didn't want to splurge on Scherzer in 2015 and Corbin last year, despite both more or less campaigning to join the team. I don't remember Scherzer campaigning. Do you? Also, they pitch in a pinball yard. They will never lead the league in ERA. I agree. They'll probably never lead the league in ERA, but that's also why I gave some other metrics, war and also K-to-walk ratio, just to, to give a, a different perspective on the pitching and where they rank. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you their ranks since 2015 in ERA minus. ERA minus is sort of like ERA plus. It's Fangrass version of it. It adjusts ERA to ballpark and league factors. So, you, to John, this is taking the ballpark into account for what you just said. 100. 100 baseline is league average. Lower is better, just like any ERA. Higher is worse, just like any ERA. This year, the Dodgers lead baseball with a 71 ERA minus for their starting pitchers. Mariners are worse, 122. So here's where the Yankees rank. This year, 102. Basically league average. It's 16th. 
Last year, 94. Better than league average, 10th. What, what was it before this week? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. you got to take all into account. Oh, yeah, okay. Says you, Brett Gardner. Can't look at, to, look at the last. To be honest, it was probably like 100. <laughs> like yeah. You can't I mean, swing it that much. There was a pretty, with a pretty good swing. Pretty good swing. In, so in maybe it went from 99 or 100 to 102. You're still right around league average. Yeah. 2017 was their best year. They were sixth with a 90 ERA minus. 2016, 104, 14th. 2015, 105, 16th. 17 and 18, they were better than league average. I think the biggest difference there is Severino pitched like a top 10 pitcher in baseball for those two seasons. And they don't have Severino this year. But otherwise, they're starting pitching. Eat. Mediocre league average around a hundred every friggin' year. That's so. This is the this is by far the black mark on on Brian Cashman's career as a as a general manager is the fact that he has not figured out the pitching whether it's homegrown or gone out and acquired an arm. There's like CC Sabathia. You're looking at him as a, as as one of the the lone guys that that really worked out in the long term. There have been a bunch that just did not work out whether it's for trade. Or signing as a free agent, or what? Most of them have been trade recently. Pineda, recently, yeah. Sonny Gray. I'm not giving up on Paxson yet, but so far it has been ugly. When he acquired Javier Vasquez the second, second time, second time. Um, uh, Weaver, like all these guys, he's acquired that are controllable starters, young starters. The Yankees are going to plug in for the next decade. They have never worked out. No, and that's the thing. Like, and and the system has not. Definitely has not treated uh, their their pitchers, you know, like they have their their position players in the sense of like development. Their development More has been terrible. They've, they've been they've, they've been, been fine with bullpen arms. Yeah, but a lot of them are failed starters too. So I don't know. There's like, there's that's a couple true. things to say about that. The um, but that's that's this is the mark. Like the, Cashman knows that. This Larry, is the, let's this, blame Larry. This is the one thing that that Cashman just hasn't done. Hasn't found that guy, or has always tried to go out and find um, you know the deal. Hasn't spent. The money as much since 2009 hasn't really gone out there and, and you know laid out a huge contract for Tanaka. a starting pitcher Tanaka. Okay, that's fair. But um, so that's that's the other way. You're looking at CC and you're looking at Tanaka as two as the two guys. And then if you're coming through the system, it's really just Severino. I mean, we had flashes from some of the other guys, but it's really Severino. And you know we've only seen that in a short amount of time. Well, too. Think about the starting pitchers they developed from their system. Severino before that. If you want to say Phil Hughes was a success. I will grant you that. He was more of a success in the pen, though. I mean, he had, like, two solid years out of the rotation for the Yankees, but solid at best. Before that, Ching Ming Wong. Like, it's like every seven years you get a decent starter. Severino's been better than decent. He's been, like I said, a top 10 pitcher in baseball for two years. 17 and 18, he was a top 10 starter in baseball. And yeah. they're missing that this year. They need a top 10 starter in baseball. Right, they they desperately need a need that guy. You know, I'll, I'll take a I'll take a top ten guy for the the month of uh, August in September. As you can see, it's the difference between ranking middle of the pack in starting rotation and ranking in the top ten. Yeah, I mean, the, when you're looking at what's happening right now, and you see what Corbin's doing over in the National League with with Washington, and and then you see Hap. That's the direct comparable, right? Everybody's like Hap Corbin. That that could have been. That could they could have flip flopped. They could have been it could have been Corbin instead of Hap. And Corbin's lighting it up. And why did they? Why is he not on this team? Because they didn't want to pay him. And the contract he got from Washington was was uh, was a big contract. Like it was overpaying. But they obviously saw what they liked. They liked what they saw and brought him in and decided that it was enough money that um, they were comfortable with because they thought he was that good. And I guess he's proving them right because he's been that good. 
So Cashman has a lot to prove with the with these pitching moves. He's this he knows like this is the area. He's got to bring in that one guy to put them over the top because that is what they need right now. The one area that's been a deficiency in his career is pitching and the one area that the Yankees need so desperately right now to get them over the hump is pitching. So we could fix two things with one one or two one or two moves. It almost needs to be more than one move at this point because of of the way that the rotation's looking. I mean, it's going to have to do some significant things. And what they did last year acquiring Hap, I thought, was the right decision at the deadline. Hap, we knew, was not going to be an ace necessarily, even though he pitched close to an ace level in the regular season in the second half last year. But we thought we had an ace in the bag with Severino. So adding Hap to the rotation solidified it. They don't need solidification at this point. They, they need top of the rotation help at this point. Yeah, and I think people forget about that. You know, it's what have you done for me lately with Hap because they re-signed him. Um, but that acquisition did work out last year. He was, he I know he didn't under a three ERA in the regular season. He didn't lose a game on the second, on the, on the, when he was with the Yankees in the regular season. I know he pitched like shit against Boston in the playoffs. And that was the reason he came over. But, um, for the stretch run, I mean, he was exactly what they brought him over for. So, I mean, there, that was a good job by Cashman for, for bringing in the right guy at the right time. So I look, I still believe that Brian Cashman has the, the magic touch. Like I, I, I know that um, some of the pitching moves haven't worked out. A lot of the pitching moves haven't worked out. I have a lot of confidence in him. I think he's going to make the right move. I, I wasn't in love with Stroman, but the fact that what they um, gave up, what the Mets gave up, I can't believe I'm having this conversation. I don't know why the Mets are even coming out of our mouth at this point, but the fact that they, they gave up a four and a six uh, prospect in their system for Marcus Stroman, it does lead me down the road, but like, man, what was the offer to, to the Toronto Blue Jays to not get him? What was the, the offer that they, they basically turned their nose up uh, that, stro- that wasn't that was too much for Marcus Stroman? Because it doesn't seem like it was a huge bounty to get him, uh, to get him signed away. It was, uh, I'm trying to get up, because the, the Yankees just updated, they got updated MLB pipeline. So you said it was number four and number six? Four, yeah, number four and number six, uh, I believe, was the. It might have been number. Yeah, I think it was number four. Number unless it was number four and six pitchers, but I think it was just overall prospects in the Mets so, organization. Direct comparison to the Yankees would be Luis Gill for the Yankees is number four, and Jonathan Loizaga is number six. Yeah, so I saw that. I saw Loizaga in there, um, and uh, a couple other names. Gill was one of them, but yeah, you know, or maybe Abreu, Abreu, Abreu Clark, Schmidt. You're, you're, Abreu or Schmidt were the two guys that I've seen tossed around a lot. So those prospects the Mets gave up are not on the level of Deve Garcia, Esteban Florial, or obviously Jason Dominguez. I mean, Dominguez is not even in the conversation. Well, he's a number three. Pro- no, I know he's not. He's the Yankees' number three prospect right now. But what you're talking about, and even if you had to pay more because you're the Yankees and you're in division. Okay, so they give up Loisica, Albert and Abreu, and, and maybe you know a lower level uh uh, position player or something, Antonio Cabello or something. You're telling me Yankees fans wouldn't be happy with that deal? Or, or throw away... Th- look, I mean, honestly, if you threw in... If you had uh, Abreu... Let's say you had Abreu and, um, and Florio. I think, I think Yankees fans would be fine with that too, honestly. I think, yeah. I think Yankees fans are at this point... like They don't really care about Florio anymore because of one Dominguez and then two Hicks assigned... So I think he's he's kind of a prospect that people were. If you're yeah, he, if he's he an expendable prospect, you just want them to trade him for the right guy. And yeah. I think a and, lot and of people pitcher, believe Stroman was the right guy. Well, I think a pitcher uh, by w- with a name, <laughs> you know, whoever it is, uh, would have been would have been the right guy. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> what I'm gathering is he needs to be owned on like 99 percent of fantasy teams. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because the casual fans got to know who he is. Uh, next question is from Tim. With all the talk of which Yankee prospects could end up being traded, why has there been no mention of Andujar? As, I, as much as I love him, with DJ, being, with DJ playing like DJ, we have a future third baseman making Andujar somewhat expendable, assuming we get a big return. Obviously, there's virtually nobody on the market now worth trading Andujar for maybe Mad Bum or Minor if it's straight up. But if not now, in the offseason, is there a reason not to shop Andujar for a top-of-the-rotation starter. And funny that Tim emailed this because Heyman tweeted that the Yankees are willing to trade Clint Frazier and or Andujar for a starter they need. Heyman, Wait, De- Heyman tweeted it? Heyman yeah. then tweeted, Devi Cruz seems to be off-limits. I didn't know the Yankees have a prospect named Devi Cruz, except for Syndergaard, which is a 1,000 to 1. See, Heyman just played he goes trade every, deadline every bingo. Every single, yeah. Like this is trade deadline bingo. Box. Name a polarizing player, Clint Frazier. Name a guy on the injured list, and Duhar. N- uh, incorrectly name a top prospect, Devi Cruz. And then mention a cross-town rivals uh, pitcher, Syndergaard. Clicks, First clicks, 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 clicks. Retweet, retweet, like, like, like. <clears throat> yeah, it's a... Uh, I don't even know what, what you just said, but... <laughs> after, after Are the Yankees going to be tweet. willing to shop yeah. in Duhar? Yes. Yes, I think they are. I think I think that they're they're absolutely. But I just don't think you're looking at uh, getting top value. I think you get more value for an Andujar after he shows that he's healthy again in the off season, or, or even in spring training if he comes back comes back and you see him um, playing out there and and healthy. I just don't think this is the the right time to trade him. So and Brian Cashman likes to make moves, you know, for peak value. Not I and mean, you're not you're probably not going to get peak value anymore for Andujar. But um, that that ship has sailed. But now is definitely not the right time to trade him if you're trying to get value. But yeah, I think he's on the table. If he's someone the table. were to overvalue and not look at the injury as much of a uh, a piece and understand that he's a long term guy that's that's quality, yeah, I think I think they would do it. What is he long term for the Yankees? I don't think anybody knows right now. I think that there's so much. The fact that Urshela has come in and and played the way he's played, still hit and, and still hitting. Um, you know, I think throws a lot of shade on Andujar. It really does because one, Urshela can play third base. Uh, the fact that DJ LeMay was here for a couple of years and he could play third base, you know, I I think puts Andujar without a position at this point. And, DH. Encarnacion's not going to be here next year. Encarnacion's not going to be here. The DH spot is is a a floating spot. We don't know if Gardner is going to be re-signed. So if Stanton is healthy playing left field, that opens up spots at DH. Or it, it opens up uh, an opportunity for Andujar to show that he could play a corner outfield spot because I think that's I think that's a real thing. Like I, I think that he, you know, whether it's for left, it the Yankees, whether it's for the Yankees or for another team, like I think that you know some people might see him as an, a corner outfielder. Yeah, he's not a third baseman. Probably, probably, especially after a whole year off, <laughs> probably not. You're losing an entire development year now for him at the well, field, maybe he and that's just, important. Maybe he's just been shadowing Adrian Beltre this entire time in, in full 365 days, and anything that Adrian Beltre is maybe is rubbing off on Andujar. I mean, he's hurt, so that's not Adrian Beltre played a lot. So no, so no. Uh, final topics, but I do. Let me let me say something real quick. This so when we're looking at the trade deadline, because we're not going to talk to everybody until after the deadline hits, right? And we'll we will have clarity the next time we all speak. Um, like I at this point now knowing what Stroman just went for, 
I want I want to see Cashman go for the top guys. Like look at what go to the top guy because to me the bar has now been lowered lowered for for starting pitching. And you I thought think Strowman was the top guy. Well, whatever it is, like well, I mean, you'd argue that that um if some of these other guys were available, that there are top guys. Like I think Castillo. Now, like I'm looking at Castillo. I'm is looking he at on the table though. I think he could be. I think he absolutely could be. I think Cincinnati's not doing anything. I think no, Cincinnati's but he's in a young. weird spot. He's a young he's 26 controlled. years old. Right. So, but where are they going to go? Are they doing anything next year? Or are you going to just Cincinnati's build their a weird up? team? Yeah, they, they're a weird team. Here's the thing that their Reds are saying: we have a positive run differential this year. Yes, we're below 500, but we're a better team than we've played. We can Who compete. gives a shit? We they're not going to do anything. Year. They can okay. compete next year. Okay, they're going to lose players. Look, they're not going to be the same team. If you could go out and get a guy like Castillo, and you have to overpay a little bit for him, like to me, that's an impact. Like that's a real, and I think Cashman now seeing what Strowman went for, should shoot for the moon and go out and look for look for guys that, um, you know, potentially they thought were going to be too expensive, and maybe they're not now. Um. Well, that that dovetails nicely into Trevor Bauer, who I don't think is um, on the table. But he had an interesting weekend where he gets pulled out of a game, fires the ball over the center field fence in Kansas City after he got hit kind of hard. Uh, Frank Kona kind of yelled at him, took, told him, like pointed to the dugout, go to the dugout. Bauer, What's we know, wrong is an emotion- with you? we know he's an emotional guy. But over the week, uh, I think on Friday, Francesa and him got into a Twitter beef because Francesa on his radio show said he he's a fool. The guy's a fool. I don't want him in New York. He's not. He's not a New Yorker. He can't pitch. He can't handle New York media. And then Bauer, because he's a he's, I would almost call him a Twitter troll. He's on Twitter. Replied. It was a funhouse tweet. Yeah, um, I was gonna say it wasn't even Francesa, which made it even funnier. But then Francesa subtweeted uh, Bauer and said, "When Bauer has the same accolades pitching that I have broadcasting, then we can talk." Yeah, is Bauer number one? Bauer's not <laughs> number one. And he also he also came back with a, you know, if anybody. Looked at my comments. Uh, if everybody thought my comments were, were off base, just look at what Bauer just did, firing up all over center field. Look, he's right. a lunatic. He's a lunatic. Yes. I, 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 I was I looking at that like video. Him. I, I think kind of like him. Like the funniest thing to me about that whole thing is how the the second baseman just like totally flinches when he turns around, <laughs> like he's gonna fire that ball into his chest. Like yeah. he's just not sure if he's gonna fire it into his <laughs> he's chest. He's definitely or not. a little wild. He's a wild card. Yeah, yeah. Like he might, he might do it. Like I might have like. Taking the last muffin in the line. I don't know. I don't remember what I did. Um, but he's he's a he's crazy. He's a lunatic. Kind of like that. Like to me, that's not the same as as a, a guy that's uh, that's soft and like can't handle it. Like he's just chemically a little different than. Others. I don't think he's mentally soft. I think he's mentally no. crazy. I think he's crazy, and I kind of like that. But I think crazy can play in the yeah. New York media. Soft so cannot play in the media. Right in New York, crazy can play. You could push back. I mean, it could get overwhelming. And it then, can. And then but we'll I think see for how a half a season and an October run, I think crazy can play. If he's pitching well. Sure. I mean, that's, you know, it, who cares if I he's not pitching I think he can well. pitch well. I think he's a good pitcher. Yeah. But again, I just, I, I don't think that Cleveland's in this conversation. No. Unless, unless they're just giving up and they are poor and they're, and they're like, well, the Browns are the only show in town now, which is weird. So we need to like save our money and go get some other people. Bauer just threw a ball over center field. Nobody's going to really balk the fact that we trade him. Maybe that's a thing. I doubt it. But if people are like, oh, now we don't want Bauer. He just threw a ball over center field. Like we've had some crazy people doing some crazy things like Aaron Boone. 
went was a lunatic out in the field. Brett Gardner <laughs> threw a helmet into the into the dugout that bounced back and hit him in the face. Then takes a bat and starts like beating the shit out of the top of the dugout. Like he's kind of a lunatic as well. I'd put those on on, on pretty close to the the par of firing a ball over center field. They're all very childish acts. Mm-hmm. Bauer immediately he's like, "Yeah, my bad, dude." Like, <laughs> I, that was a little much. My, that, that's on me. And just uh, oh, it's a hundred percent a childish act. But I think I think like I said, crazy plays. And speaking of the media, Didi kind of got into it with the MLB Twitter account, who tweeted out a screenshot uh, of his quote to the media talking about burying the Red Sox. Anytime you get a chance to bury them, that's all you want to do. And Didi replied saying, I mean, you should hear both sides of the story. Don't cut the pieces out and make me look like I'm bad. Like I'm a bad person. I play the game because I love it. No need to start trouble because I ain't up with that. Or damn it with that. I I ain't up with that. (laughs) Yeah. And then MLB deleted the tweet. But I didn't think what MLB did was that much out of context. I read the full quote that Didi gave. And he basically was just talking about, yeah, anytime you have a chance to bury them, you want to do it. (laughs) Duh. You want to win. You want to extend your lead in the division. I don't think these are polarizing comments in the least. I don't think the Red Sox would look at these and say, this is bulletin board. No, it's it's an opportunity when when uh, you know when you have an opportunity to do something like that against a division rival, especially the Red Sox, you want to take advantage of that. So it's just the way that it was put out there, and Didi didn't like it, and he probably regretted that he said it right afterwards anyway. And then the fact that it got picked up and then highlighted, he just he doesn't like to be that guy. He's never that. No, guy. he does he's, not like. The he's media. the guy that apologizes to the catcher if the bat goes the wrong way after a hit. Like he's a polite dude. <laughs> so, well, that's different. That's different than his relationship with the media. I mean, no, I know, but my point is that's him personally. He just doesn't like to step out of line. Sure, he he does not like talking to the media. He's very reserved, very guarded. Gives the standard by the book answer. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, so like this is very, very, either. very limited personal experience. When Dom and I were at the CC Sabathia charity softball game, DD was one of the guys rolling through, giving interviews. We talked to him for maybe two minutes. He, the only thing he even cracked a smile about was when um, we asked him about the sneakers that, uh, that were given out at the event. And then we talked about the music that he plays in the clubhouse. Yeah. Anything related to baseball, straight face, politically correct, do not rattle the boat answer. So well, when he's not talking about baseball, then maybe he can lighten up a little bit. But he's very on guard with the media. I mean, I think that's a lot of players, right? They talk about baseball all the time. They, if you start talking to them about other things, and they're like, oh, okay, this guy is uh, – interested in how I what I think about other things like I'm not just a baseball player and it, you know like that 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 can over that can overwhelm them they don't want to talk about baseball because they do it every single day you start talking about shoes or talking about art he probably open up like like crazy so yeah um makes sense but no he just you know DD likes to be his, his uh his buttoned up dude you know he'll, he'll uh, he shows emotion in the moments doesn't like to be controversial yeah but he did I'm, I'm glad he stood up he's like you know what I did say that but I didn't mean that <laughs> but he did mean that but I didn't mean it. Like I didn't that. even think what he meant. But was I didn't that mean it. Was mean bad it. at all. So that's why I was a little surprised he even got upset about it. But whatever. Maybe he just doesn't like his name out there at all. Um, any any last words? Any final thoughts as we enter like the final couple of days before the the um, deadline? Big deadline. Is this big the deadline. biggest deadline the Yankees have had? Oh yeah, ever. No, not ever. But <laughs> like since since I mean, last year. Definitely. No, since maybe 16 when they sold off. 
Well, it's so different. You know, like they're just very big for different reasons. Like this they year, need this- to acquire somebody, and it's no waiver. So it's, a, it's now or never. The problem is, is that these guys, like everybody's waiting for this magical person to appear. And unless they go out and get a guy like Castillo, or like there's probably going to be some disappointment. Or, or, oh yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter who they get; there'll be disappointment. There's just they could they could go out a and lot of guys Max that the they could literally get Max Scherzer, and people will be like, "I can't believe the Yankees are taking on that kind of salary." Well, yeah, I mean, I I would be that guy too. But the um the the fact that there's Jackass. just all these all these all these guys now are, are kind of seemingly getting off the market because teams are getting hot. There's just like you know the sexy guy out there. Like to me, like Castillo would be a sexy guy, sexy sexy man right there. Uh, to be pitching in the Bronx, but so Castillo is your number one right now that you want. I think he's he's become the number one because I think what we saw with with Stroman and what it took to got to get him, I think the Yankees could do it and and uh, and you know get a, a young guy. I think they might have to pay dynamic. more. They might have to pay more because Castillo's got more. Control. Oh, they will have to. He pay doesn't more. have the track record of. No, they will have to pay more. Stroman. But I'm saying Castillo would be a, a better piece than Stroman anyway. So I think they'll have to pay more. Yeah, but why I think do you th- say that? Stroman's having a good year. I just don't and he's trust. been pitching in the American League. He's uh, Castillo's been pitching in the National League. Since. I understand that. I think Castillo is just a, a, a guy that, to me, has more upside. You're not concerned at all that he has spent a half a season with Sonny Gray? I mean, yeah, that's a little concerning, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's concerning. He probably didn't talk to him. <laughs> Sonny Gray, I mean, Sonny Gray is trying to, probably trying to fit in in the, in the clubhouse, just, you know, talking about That's another things. reason why people hate Larry Rothschild, because they look at Sonny Gray and he's pitching well. Yeah, I mean... Anybody could have predicted that. Larry Rothschild is no, not the reason. A, not anyone. Everyone did predict that. So I think this is an extremely important deadline because why? This team is ready to win a World Series right now, but they need help on the pitching side. If, if Cashman come out, deliver that pitching help, then this team is in the driver's seat and has a very, very good opportunity to bring number 28 back. All right. I'm looking forward to the deadline. It's going to just be careful of all the fake Twitter accounts out there tweeting out random crap. It's, it's fake Twitter account season. Yeah, I don't fall for any of that shit. I got to see it verified like five or six times. And even those aren't really trustworthy. Right. All right, we'll talk to you guys Thursday morning talking about everything the Yankees did or did not do at the deadline. Have a good Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. What is happening? I, it's unfathomable how... Oh, they're just terrible right now. Yankees, step it the fuck up. Prince Frederick, this is Eric from Syracuse. Um, just uh, after about a little solid week of pathetic starting pitching and getting our doors blown off for the second night by the Red Sox, I just got to say the basic message I have for Cashman and for the people upon his checks are no more half measures. Stop being cheap when it comes to picking up the lead starting pitcher. Fire Rothschild. And, uh, yeah, this offense is, uh, taking that three during the season, a bunch of laughs and stuff that's not going to get done in the playoffs, so figure this shit out. Bye. Oh, my God. This series is fucking killing me. I can't believe we are completely imploding playing the Red Sox. I'm just lost. I, I don't know. It's It's not a good week.
something right now. And then top it off, Swing TV lost CS Network, so I can't even watch Yankees. And to see this crap on ESPN app, or watch it on Twitter. Fucking bullshit. Let's go, Yankees. Get your head out your ass. Trade deadline coming. I'm getting ready for the wild card game. The Yankees are so terrible right now, I would not take a Make-A-Wish Foundation kid to watch them play. Hey, guys. Name is Angel from Puerto Rico. Yankees fan here. Love you guys' show. Uh, listen to you guys every week. Um... It's so frustrating, man. It's so, so frustrating, man. I know that the starting pitchers on our team do have part of the blame, too. But we can't, we can't leave Larry fucking Rothschild off the hook every time this starting pitching rotation, this starting rotation sucks. He's part of the blame. Let's get Tommy Phelps up in the team. You know, man, so frustrating, man. Go Yanks. Man, guys, I gotta be honest, I'm so sick of these Yankees, their pitching philosophy every single year. I mean, we thought that Sonny Gray was, you know, crying and bitching because he can't handle the moment and he's saying that they're, you know, making him throw too many sliders and all this shit. The same thing with Paxton right here. He's yelling at Romine. He's yelling at the. It's just, it's just terrible, man. He's, Sonny Gray might have been right. Every time we bring in a lead pitcher over here, they say you know he's got a great fit and you know the Wolves, whatever, whatever it is. He's got all these great numbers. You know Sierra, all the numbers that these analytics guys like to make up. They come over here and they stink. You know three home runs, all same location, the best. I don't even know what Larry Rothschild's purpose is. I'm just man. Every year. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.